Welcome to the Publish Her Podcast, a place where you can come to get inspiration, motivation, help, encouragement, and support in your journey to write, publish, and sell your book. Hosted by Alexa Bigwarf. Cause I've been where you've been And I felt what you're feeling And I don't wanna get in your all right everyone welcome to another episode of the publish her podcast i am extraordinarily delighted to bring you alicia brown today alicia and i have met through the publishing world through some through conference i don't even know where it doesn't matter (laughs) we just connected and i'm so glad that we did um she is the ceo of her company fruition publishing concierge services as a hybrid publisher devoted to helping authors find their voice monetize their experience and create profitable author platforms which is what we all want to get back what we are putting into all of this work right (laughs) led her to receiving the 2019 inside businesses entrepreneur entrepreneurial that is a hard word to say fast excellence award Her expertise has been featured in Publishers Weekly, Authority Magazine, Huffington Post, Thrive Global, and iHeartRadio, just to name a few. She helps authors garner media attention and position their books for commercial uh, success. She's served as a celebrity interviewer and managing editor for various podcasts and magazines before she created her own published magazine, uh, which we should talk about that too. The premier magazine devoted to current and aspiring authors, book lovers, and the companies that promote them. She's a best-selling author, copyright, and magazine editor-in-chief, and she currently serves on the DEI Committee and Board of Directors of the Independent Book Publishers Association. She's an IBPA member roundtable facilitator and has been a conference speaker for IBPA's Publishing University Conference, as well as the Women in Publishing Summit, which I am sad did not make it into your bio, but (laughs) no, you can't put it all. (laughs) The new one is in there. It is, Alexa, I promise. (laughs) Oh my gosh, I'm just teasing you. I'm so happy to bring you here today. And goodness, we have so, so, so many things that we could talk about. But what we're talking about in particular is what you did speak about at the last IBPA conference, which is AI and the involvement, the growth of AI and what this means for the publishing industry. So thank you for being here. (laughs) And I guess that, you know, yeah. The, so the biggest, the biggest question I have, like, I think there's a lot of fear around AI, right? And, and I know I'm seeing, I mean, I just got my, um my little booklet from the Authors Guild, the spring 2023 um thing. And it has the huge thing about AI and what it means. And we're seeing like publishers already like, and, and awards competitions and writing competitions already seeing stuff that's clearly AI. So yeah. what, what is going on in the AI world and what is, how does this impact publishers? I honestly could tell you my answer for that changes daily. <laughs> because that me, yeah. <laughs> for me, that is how it feels. AI changes daily. Yes. Yes. So I yes. give you a perfect example. Um, they asked me at the conference, um, people brought up in the audience, do you think we need to go into the contract and change clauses? And I'm like, no, because I felt like your regular publisher's contract already has clauses in it that center around your saying as a client that this is your work. So I felt like that covered everything. Well, according to the author's guilds, 
<laughs> um, they're doing changes where now they're advising their authors on clauses and contracts related to AI. And mm -hmm. they did point out um, in their information, some of them are explicit, but there's some that are subtle that give them permission to use your information, your artwork for those illustrators, your words, all of that information as data and training for AI. Mm -hmm. So for publishers, hate to say it, but my audience at IBPA, as well as audiences around, they were head on that maybe, well, now publishers do need to go back over our contracts and look at putting in clauses. Mm -hmm. Of course, you want to representation, putting in clauses specifically for AI. That's how bad it is. <laughs> well, and you know, it's really scary when you think of the fact that people are actually trying to submit entire books to publishing houses that are written in, by AI and people that are um, submitting to awards programs and things like that. Yeah. They're trying to do all the things like I personally believe there's a great place for AI in our in our journey as authors and publishers. For example, I'm not going to lie, I use ChatGBT to help me write blog posts because in 0.3 seconds, it will write me an entire thing on a topic. I don't ever just copy and paste, by the way, because they're right. not perfect. I take that as the starting point and it saves me a lot of time and money for building other content. Authors can definitely use this for newsletters, for blog posts, yeah. for those kinds of things, but not for your book. That's supposed to be the demonstration of your knowledge or your creativity and how in the world I just can't imagine. I saw um, a, a famous author say something like, there's no way artificial intelligence can ever bring the depth of characterization and love and emotions and all those types of things into fiction anyway. But this was really interesting to me, Alicia. I saw something for the first time in a, I believe it was a Kirkus review for one of our children's book authors, okay? A children, her beautiful book, uh, illustrated in like watercolor like illustrations but done mm -hmm. on an illustration tool like by a professional illustrator right? right okay this is not ai this is not ai this is someone using a tool to create art through technology right but it's still her drawing and the person actually knocked the book and said it'd be much better if it wasn't ai and i'm like you're confusing your topics here because wow. that's a, and, and what, I mean, so it's almost like there's, there's all these things, but then there's also an education level that has to happen for people who are trying to smack down AI. That's not really AI. <laughs> or <laughs> this is where it gets sticky. And we talked about this at um, IBPA's conference. We actually had an attorney that was in the room as part of the audience. Nice. It's giving a lot of information that was recent with the copyright office. So what you'll see, you know, people talk about mid journey and how they can get these beautiful images that are not those quirky, weird right. looking, obviously AI images, but you know, you have people that are professional illustrators or they're really good with Photoshop graphic. Uh -huh. uh -huh. And according to the copyright office, depending on the degree, which you take that mid journey image and tweak it, Ah, there's nothing wrong with it. Uh-huh. So we're leaving a lot of room open as far as ethics, legalities, um, compliance. It's it's getting real murky. 
It is very hairy. And you know what? Gosh, darn it. It was hard enough to answer questions about copyright guidance before all of this stuff came in, you know, like how, what, what constitutes as, as rights, as um, something that I can use for professional versus personal use as all of these types of things. And now you're just further muddying the water. We had a situation like this with another children's book where we're doing where she has um, emotions throughout the book and it's got basically emojis do you okay. know how much research my team had to do on copyright of emojis and how different they ha- could or couldn't be? How many times we went back and forth with the illustrators to to change it enough so that we couldn't get slapped with an emoji violation? And there's free emojis, there's copyrighted emojis, there's like, wow. Yeah, it's like it's like that, but on steroids. Yes. That that describes AI. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, okay. Let's back up just a little bit. And and for the people in our audience, and, and I say publishers very broadly, I feel like if you are an author and you're self-publishing your work, you are a publisher. Yeah. Um, so when it comes to what was, did was there any discussion around authors in general using AI? If you're not submitting to this, I think this is a great question. If you are just self-publishing your own book, how does like, what are the rules on, you know, I mean, there are no real rules, right? But like, what's the, what are the conventions I should say around using AI to write your own content for books? You know, and maybe this is my bias as a publisher. <laughs> <laughs> and it is my bias as a publisher. So let me just put that out there. But that is the whole great divide between a self-published author and a publisher. Mm. Um all of them need to know, both both sides need to know the industry information if you want to be successful. Yeah. So that self-published author, you're no more exempt than that publisher if you want to be successful. Right. And unfortunately, depending on the knowledge base of the publisher, as far as if they're really legitimate and experienced, um, it ta- it's a learning curve to learn the standards of publishing and what is it supposed to be and how is the book professionally published and what are the laws of this and this and this, which is why, you know, people will pay a reputable publisher because they know that information. Um, The self-published author needs to learn that information or work with the publishing consultant that is reputable to have your book in the same success line. So when you don't do that, that's when we see the rookie uh, mistakes that people give self-publishers a bad name for. so I feel like where this is most problematic as far as self-published authors is you have that level of novice that just doesn't care mm-hmm. or because it's free or cheaper and easy. I can just do it myself, mm-hmm. but I'm always a fan of, and this isn't just publishing, of the viewpoint that just because you can do something does not mean you should. should. Yeah, I mean, I can use a template book cover, but that doesn't mean I should. I can <laughs> so use true. software with this, you know, publishing platform to do it, but that doesn't mean I should. And it's certain things that are eyesores for bookstores, distributors, when they're looking at that book, they're eyesores because they know you're not a professional. Right. So I think that's where when you talk about self-published authors, we're going to see it. Well, you know, I can use Midjourney to design my book cover. Right. I can use this AI tool to write my whole entire book word for word. And I don't have to worry about where the data came from. Is it accurate? Who it belongs to? I can write the whole book doing that. There's softwares for if you want to write a nonfiction book versus a fiction and it'll get you the characters. Right. Yeah. So 
in the self-published line um, of the novice, the rookie, or let's be honest, there's some people I just want to make a buck. So yeah. if I can use these free things or low cost things to do what I cannot do and what I don't know to do, I'll do it and I'll throw it out there and see how much money I can make off of this. That's what's really going to hurt the industry. But that's always the case with technology and these things yeah. is you have people that don't care. You have scam artists. You have people that don't know any better and they think this is the new and greatest and I can do it and don't understand the legal implications, the compliance issues, the ethical issues. So, yeah. Well, and the, the thing I think that a lot of people may not be thinking about AI, artificial intelligence, is that a computer or an or a website only knows what it can gather from what's already out there. So in my opinion, you are almost it's 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 plagiarism of yeah. ideas and and even in some cases probably word for word sentences and how do you know? So that's one piece because it can only pull what it can find that's yeah. already out there. Okay. And then the second piece is if you're writing something that requires some level of documentation or footnotes or sourcing, how in the world would you know where that information is coming from? You can't just make a statement claim about something and not source it. I've used it for research and my questions were specifically, um, the questions I gave it, I specically asked for the citation. Good. And while I looked That's at cool. the I didn't know you could do that. Uh, yes, you can. And while I look for the citation, I would say sometimes 30%, 50%. That's not what the actual research said, even though you Interesting. Mm -hmm. So you're essentially you're you're just creating more work for yourself if you're trying to do stuff like this. Now, don't get me wrong. Again, I said I, like the other day, I tested it out because I'm hearing all these people talk about it all the time. My team loves to use it for helping create um, social media stuff and quick snippets and things like that. So I was like, yeah. you know what, I'm going to try this out. So I went in and I asked it to write me an article on how to price my book, it's something I wanted to write about. I have a lot of knowledge on this already. So yeah. and I think that's where the difference is. You already have the knowledge. You're looking for help and getting it done. So I knew that no matter what it gave me back, I could approve or disapprove of this stuff. Okay. And some of it was, you know, it, the amazing thing to me was that it, it provided me this blog post in about, I'm not even kidding you. It, it wrote it in like two seconds, right. I mean, like, like, like 10 seconds, literally there was this post and I was like, wow. And at first, at first glance, I thought, you know, this is really good. But as I started reading more into it, I was like, oh, I would never, ever say that or give that advice. That's clear that it's, you know, pulled because it, one of the pieces of advice it gave was, you should consider how much money you've put into the production of your book and base your um, price off of that. And I was like, what in the world? That is absolutely never, never would you, yeah. would you price your book based on how much money you spent? Or we would all be charging $5,000 for every, yeah. <laughs> you know, like never. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, that is not how you do it. Um, so, but this is dangerous for people who know just a little bit about a topic and try to post things as an expert or try to work, write a book about an expert as an expert and are pulling stuff that's not really great expert material. So, yes. you know, caution for it. So the next question is like, that's that's using it as a writer, like where's the parameters? And I do think, I do think there is a place if you have a book that's heavy research, 
related, you could use it as a starting ground, but then you need to go in and verify that information and, and get the right citing and sources. Now, as publishers, as people who are working with other authors, this is where it gets real crazy. Like, how do we yeah. even know when we're reviewing books? And that's one of the biggest things that was the question from the audience. And here's the caveat. There is software to help you detect mm. um, if something is AI written. So, okay, just like plagiarism software, it's pretty much the same thing. But those pieces are only as good as the recent model. Yes. So like GPT to have level four now instead of three. Well, what if your model is detecting it based on level three and now we have level four, five, six. Mm -hmm. So, oh, I use the software to detect this. What version is your software? What's the updates mm -hmm. on ChatGPT mm -hmm. or other AI software? If what you're using to detect it isn't up to what the latest version is, yeah, it's not as effective. Right. So I always said, you know, or what I shared at the conference was as publishers, we have to do our due diligence. That's right. just our job. But the more advanced the tech, and this is where it's problematic, the more advanced the technology gets, a lot of the tools to detect it are not as advanced. Yeah. So it's always, sometimes it feels like you're running behind to catch something that has ran further than the detection tools. So good luck with that. <laughs> At the end of the day though, like this is the thing, like, I, you know, I watched everybody get all up in arms about it and all worried and things like that. And I, I this is what I, I try to calm myself and soothe myself by this thought process. And that is, especially on the fiction side, I find it very difficult that AI will ever be able to write a truly, truly like moving fiction book with great, because that is something that computers can never replicate the, replicate the wow. human experience, right? And so I don't get worried about it too much from that standpoint. Um, I do worry a lot though about nonfiction books and books that are, especially things that are like teaching people stuff that what if, I mean, you don't know where the ideas are coming from and how well it's been vetted. And then you get into something like, imagine the repercussions of mental health if you've got mm. an AI created mental health book that that is actually doing more damage than good or you know right. uh, you know there's there's lots of things that that scare me from that standpoint from a publisher like I have to hope that we're doing our due diligence when we read manuscripts that come to us that but this but this is the interesting thing though right because now it requires a whole new level of involvement from the publisher to like because yes you have your selection process and all of that stuff but generally you can skim and say yes this is good writing through a couple rounds of editing yeah. it's going to be great we're going to have what we need but i have no idea how to scan for what could potentially be artificial intelligence i'm not an expert in every topic under the sun that we publish hello <laughs> and that's the problem right that's going to be the problem is that there are some people you know if a novice is if a novice uses it you can tell. Right. What about the expert? Right. There are some people that are just really good technically. They know the best ways to use that software. And I think, again, getting to a smaller novice publisher, like when they're going to hire an illustrator, 
you're going by what really looks good. Yeah. This is where a lot of self-published authors are getting in trouble. I'm seeing the AI scams. Yeah. Your portfolio looks beautiful until after you've paid them and you're seeing what they're doing doesn't look right. Or I've heard this more than, than not. They see the same image in someone else's portfolio. Yes. The media. They just didn't know. The, the picture does look beautiful, but the person you hired didn't do it. Right. They either ripped it off someone else or they used the technology. So everybody has a similar photo or the same photo. Those are the people that's really going to hurt. Yeah. Um, you know, of course, your traditional or larger publishers, they have their dedicated staff. They have their professionals. They know who's creating what. Right. But someone that color and subcontract or you use different illustrate, this, this is also problematic for you. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I, the the getting just getting into the images and illustrations is like a whole world of yes questions. Um, oh man, there was something I wanted to ask about, and I forgot about when we went down that trail. Um, I guess that you know, what do we do? What what was the takeaway from your discussion at Pub U? Like, what was the big takeaway on this topic? Where where did it land at the end? Well, there were a few, but I think. Huh. From my perspective, I think the takeaway was the same thing that I've seen when we have these discussions. You have one side that says, oh, I don't think they'll ever replace human um, talent, blah, blah, blah. And you're underlooking yeah. the impact of this. And then you have other people, I think you're overreaching or overlooking the impact because you're just like, we all should be afraid. I mean, all of these things is going to do and we're not, and none of us are going to have jobs. All of us are going to go to jail and nothing is copyrightable. I'm like, eh, that's that's too much. All of us are going to jail. Right. We all have a huge fire where the whole room is burning up and there's been bombs everywhere. Um, but at the same time, we're not selling a boat and having a pleasure trip. I think mean, there's right. a medium we need to get to and how we need to go forward. So, I mean, to me, the biggest takeaway is there are... Um, from the audience, rather, there are some really great uses they can use this for. They're very time-saving, um, very efficiency-productive um, and advantages. But then there's some, there's some other things that with those advantages, there's some concerns. Yeah. And it causes mm -hmm. publishers to do additional work or have additional checks because right. we're, we have no other choice now. It's here. It's upon us. It's not something that's going to happen. It's already here. Right. What do we do and how do we evolve, which is the main thing, business people, period, but publishing industry, like any other industry, you have to pivot. You have to evolve. Yeah. So it doesn't matter if you care about this or you want to care about this. It's here now. It's not a thing coming. It's here now. So we have to deal with it. I will tell you the one conversation that I, I was a part of that did truly concern me. And that was... Um, in the entrepreneur world, you know, you and I both work with business owners who want to write books to grow their businesses, who are writing things like that, the getting their, growing their expertise and using books as, as their credibility card. Yeah. basically. And the one conversation, I wasn't directly a part of it. I was in the room and it was a bunch of entrepreneurs and they were very excited because they're like, this is awesome. We can use AI and we no longer have to pay a ghostwriter 15 to $30,000 to write our books. And I sat there for a second and I thought, 
I thought two things. I kind of went to both of those places you just described. On the one hand, I was like, um, wow, this really could be a great opportunity for people to save time and money. And to be quite honest, there are a lot of people charging exorbitant fees for, you know, things and for to pe some people who can afford it. And if they can, great, you know, and to other people who can't and yada, yada, that's a whole conversation in itself, right? But then the other piece of it was, yikes, this is terrifying because we already as publishers and as experts and as industry uh, professionals already have a hard enough time weeding out the garbage from the good stuff. And now you're going to have potentially all these people who are just letting something write it for them. Who knows what level of editing they're going to have go into it, you know, all these things. So, I mean, I think the answer is probably someplace in the middle. You will probably have some people do that. You will probably have a lot of people who may use it as a starting point. But then my mind got going and I was like, what if ghostwriters now are short-circuiting or shortcutting the, the system and unbeknownst to the author using AI to write the book? And I mean, there's just so many questions. It's like, ah, and then yeah. how do people know? I just paid this person $50,000 to write my book. And then I find out that they didn't write it. That Chat GPT did. <laughs> I mean, that happened to big celebrities where it wasn't an artificial intelligence issue, but you paid them good money and they stole all these quotes from other people's books and acted as yours. And now you're getting sued and you're like, I paid a ghostwriter. But my thing is, one of the most, when it comes specifically to that, one of the things about ghostwriting is the copious amounts of time the ghostwriter yes. has to spend with you. Yes. So if they're not spending time with you to write it in your voice, that's a clue right there. Right. You know, because right. I, I over the years I've been a ghostwriter. So it's like people, I need ghostwriting services. And you tell them what range that starts in and they're like, what? Yeah. Right. Because it's not someone just writing a book for you. They're spending copious amounts of time with you yes. to not only collect information, but get your voice. Right. So if you got some package where they charge you this little, I can already tell you before you start, that's not going to work. Because you <laughs> get that much money, that little bit of money to spend that much time with you right. to write this. And if they're not spending that time with you, they're not ghostwriting. Right. They're they're just writing something, but they're not writing in your voice. They're not getting your information. So there's some telltales, but again, that's that novice thing. So, yeah. So I guess our big takeaway here is where is bringing it right back to where you started it with like every day, the scene changes every day. Yeah. There's new stuff coming out. I've heard as many positive conversations around AI as I have negative. And there is, there really are some, let's look at some of the wonderful AI tools that we already have in our, in our toolbox, like pro yeah. writing aid. And so people didn't realize that was AI. I don't know how they couldn't realize it because they talk about it and say this is AI technology for editing, right? Um, but I guess if you're not listening to that, okay, that was maybe a not nice thing to say. Yes, that is art. That is a form of artificial intelligence. It's data mining. It's pulling content. It's yeah. using it's using AI, literally AI, to pull and put stuff together, and that's great. But you know what? They also always say this does not replace a live editor. This helps you self edit and get better with the things that AI can help you with, like seeing that you use the word sandwich 874 times, but it's not in replacement of a live editor because there's nuances and things that an editor can catch that AI will never be able to catch. Well, maybe, who knows? There may be a day that robots are smarter, the computers are smarter in all things, but <laughs> but it's gonna change. And I think it's, um, 
I think it's an important conversation to stay on top of. I think yeah. what you do need to know as a writer is that if you are writing your book with AI publishers and um and especially the big ones and and competitions, especially ones with cash prizes and things like that, they're on to you. So don't do it. <laughs> and you look at AI, what I suggest is you look at it like an assistant, like a virtual assistant. Yeah. The, it, the tool is there to assist you. It's not yeah. to replace you. Yes. It's supposed to help you in efficiency wise. And like you were talking about earlier, it can write that post in literal seconds, but that's not, you're not going to cut and paste that. Right. You know, I call it like a writer's block tool. So it's like, ah, yes. And now I'm going to go in and do what I do. So it's like, it's the same thing. AI and for, I'll say for publishers and authors alike, what's really our burden is to learn how to appropriately use the technology. Yes. Because when you learn that, you learn all the ways efficiency-wise, it helps you, productivity-wise, it helps you. You learn how to use it properly. You're not going to use it to say, oh, I don't have to do the work now. I don't have to write a book. I can just plug in a software and write a book. That is not what a professional would do. So learn the advantages, learn the pros and cons, learn the legalities and ethics. And most importantly, if you do this piece, learn how to use the technology properly. Then yeah. you're fine. Yes. It's when you try to go rogue and, and not, you know, do, do the quick fix, the cheap fix, the easy fix. That's most of the time when you're beginning down a trail of trouble. Yeah, I would agree. And authors, like it can have a great place in helping you create usable, quick and easy content for social media, um, quick yeah. posts, quick blog posts, quick things like that, that, that aren't, you know, that you can modify easily into your own voice, into the way you would say and do things, but can save you a ton of time. So I highly encourage you to check it out if this is a place where you struggle, because I know for marketing, I'm sure it's like this with your clients too, but what we hear the most from people is that they just don't have the time. They know they need to do all of these marketing things. They can't maybe hire a virtual assistant to help them create all their social media content. So in that case, you know, there's, there's a lot of um, a real benefits to, to using it, but Oh, it just, it, it kind of hurts my writer heart to even imagine that someone would want to try like, and that's the other thing I feel is that like, I want to write books because I want to write books. Great. That's the beauty of it. You're using your voice. You're, you're seeing it at a certain angle. You're not just going to carbon copy something. Right. You know? We were having this uh, conversation because in addition to this, our publishing company now has a production company. And we were critiquing a recent production. I said, you know, it's like a photographer. I can give 10 professionals the camera. Yeah. In camera. But all 10 should be able, if they're professionals, give me a quality photo. But there's going to be that one that has that eye. Yeah. And I can't teach you the eye. Yeah. You can't go to school for the eye. It's a gift. They just have it. Yep. That's how good writers are. Yeah. I can give a person that write the same material, same topic, and you all can write a great book. But that one person that just has that special skill or that artistic flair, your book's going to be different from this yeah. person. When you use technology, you can't say that. Because yeah. everybody's book can basically be the same, but a, a writer, an author, that's the gift that editors pen where you can just create and imagine. And that's what we fall in love with when we read books, not yeah. what a computer's going to kick out word for yes. word. 
Yeah, exactly. That is very well stated. And I think we can wrap that conversation up by just saying, pay attention to what's happening in it. Make sure that if you're using any kind of AI and anything that you're doing, whether it's images in your books, whether it's illustrations, and we're not saying you can't use it for those things. We're saying that's very gray water. So be yeah. careful in there and um, don't submit a story to a writing contest that you didn't write. Yes. Period. <laughs> you didn't have to say that, but I guess we do now. <laughs> I have a feeling for most of our audience, that's probably a no brainer. They wouldn't even consider it because I think most of our audience is with us. Like we write because we want to write. Um, but yeah, pay attention to it. Now, one more thing before we wrap this up is I really want to hear more about your magazine and and how I'm sure you are you open to submissions for that for publication? Not by AI. <laughs> Not by AI. And that's the thing about the magazine. What we found was, you know, there's a lot of magazines devoted to authors and I'm not discrediting any, but you know, it's really that blurb or that this, and what we wanted was the author's story mm -hmm. beyond the book. Give us a reason to care about you and relate to you. And now we're more open to what your books or books are. You know, we want to read them because we're such a fan of you. So we wanted to have that where we can give that spotlight on the author and make, you know, so they could attract their fans. And now your fans are interested in whatever you've written, what you're coming out with, because we know the story of you. So that's what a published magazine really is, getting to the heart of that author, that business that works with authors enticing the audience oh we really want to know more about that book or the books they write I love that so um do you have a submission process for articles or how do people find out about your magazine is it a subscription base is it something all the things tell me all the things Alicia yeah everything is always at fruitionpublishing.com <laughs> for the magazine there's forward slash magazine but you go to fruitionpublishing.com you'll be able to find out about it but yes we do take submissions it's a quarterly magazine um so of course there's quarterly deadlines but we do take submissions um and really you know i'm always looking just like with the submissions for our manuscripts i'm looking for that story what makes yours different what makes who is your ideal audience where we would care um because not to sound cavalier but after working for other people's magazines i'm just like we're not in business for whoever throws something at us. Right. You know, we want that, I don't want to say superstar, but what makes you that makes you different? Like what is it that you're writing, producing where people just need to read that? What is so different and extraordinary about your story, your journey that would make us care? Those are the people we want submissions from and want to spotlight. I think that is so cool. And I will make sure that all of this stuff, of course, you make it so easy, fruitionpublishing.com and you can find everything, yes. fruitionpublishing.com. Yes. <laughs> Magazine, wonderful. Um, but all of this information about Alicia will obviously be in the show notes of this episode. Um, you do so many things. And, you know, personally, I just want to say thank you for all that you've brought to our Women in Publishing Summit community over the past couple of years and your your presentation this year got people so fired up and excited and you have you have a lot of stuff going on so make sure you check out our website see all the things um it's amazing to me how many I thought I had my hands in a lot of pots and then you make me exhausted so I don't even I'd, I'm pretty sure you must be cloned because I 
I wish. I'm waiting for the AI technology to do that. I'm like, do you have something where I can clone myself at least once? And I'm going to go sleep and let my clone do everything. So when you get AI up to that, that's what I'm looking for. Yeah, exactly. Once, Let me clone myself at least once or twice. Because if I can yeah. do it twice, I'm really going to get like good sleep, vacation. Hey, but it's not up there yet. The technology. Well. Good sleep might come if you weren't doing so much that you could sleep. Well, I get good sleep now, but it's like, yeah, we can't work at 300 miles an hour. You it's know, so I true. It is so true. <laughs> I'm excited to watch all the stuff. I mean, it feels like every week you're posting, well, I was just here and I was here and I was speaking at this and I posted this and I published this and I did this and I'm like, and then I ran a virtual, I, then I ran a cruise for, for my people and we went on this great cruise oh, and the world. <laughs> Like, are you doing that? That was fun. It's awesome. <laughs> it's like, I don't think I'm doing that this year. Oh, that's a lot. It was a lot. That's a lot to organize. But it was fun. Yeah. <laughs> but it was a lot. Well, I'm excited to always have conversations with you. And we'll have to have you back to talk about some other things that we can dig into because there's so much. But um, thank you so much for this conversation. And it's a TBD type of topic, right? We'll just see how it rolls out. God help us. <laughs> That's so scary for me. I'm like, what are they going to say next week or tomorrow? Sometimes it feels like you say this today and then next week is like, crash that. Now we have to pivot again. And it's just oh. been less than a week. <laughs> I know. It is that technology is a blessing and a curse, as, yeah. as they say. But thank you so much. And everyone, and enjoy. Uh, head on over to the show notes if you want to get all the links to everything. And um, again, Alicia, it's always a pleasure having you. Likewise. Thank you so much. I love the Women in Publishing Summit. So for oh, this, we love, you. love talking to them. <laughs> <laughs> we love you. And we hope you're coming back this year. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. you don't have to give me Thank you for joining us on the Publisher Podcast. We hope to see you back for the next episode. Great, huge thanks goes to Jasmine Commerce for the use of her song. You can find Jasmine on SoundCloud. Go check out all of her music. We'll see you next time.